friends. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And we are Podcast by Proxy, Canadian True Crime. Welcome. We're live. Happy Tuesday. Um, so when we record, or as we post this episode, it's going to be the 20th. And we just want to make note that um, the 21st is National Indigenous Peoples Day as well. So this will be up just a day before. So it is something to take note of tomorrow. Educate yourself. Maybe learn something new. Yes. I actually had posted a, I believe it was like a playlist that my friend put together of Indigenous artists maybe a year ago or so so maybe I'll ask her for that and post it but yeah it's a great opportunity for us to learn to learn about indigenous peoples Mm -hmm. and the history in our country um yeah that's great thank you for that reminder I actually just hired a new person at work um who identifies as indigenous and said like part of hiring them means that they will need certain days off to like go to the longhouse and do certain things and I was like of course, that is totally going to be doable because <laughs> I was just like, yeah. I would never ask you to compromise your morals for a job or your cultural no, I mean, morals we, for a job. <laughs> I feel like it's pretty normal as well in our culture to allow certain like religious days off and stuff too if you practice a religion. So I don't see any difference between nope. allowing time off for those things. Me neither. Um, But yeah, that's great. Thank you for that reminder. Today we are covering a highly requested case just based solely on the circumstances. Um, So yeah, so many of you, of course, sent us the news clippings of the discovery of Madison Scott in Vanderhoof, British Columbia, and had so, so, so many requests that week to cover the story many of you saw the news articles and if you weren't super familiar with the story we're hoping that we would discuss it so that is what we are doing today um but yeah before we start do you have any do you have any business that you would like to discuss the business um the business um i mean as always if you don't already follow us on socials at podcast by proxy on instagram TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. We use Instagram and Facebook the most right now, I would say. Again, I've said this so many times, but I'm trying to get into TikTok. It's just hard. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Um, We are millennials through and through. We don't understand the TikTok. Well, if you were still gardening produce, I would say all of our peas are ready. So anyone out there who gardens will know that, but... No, I have nothing new. Okay. We've got a bit of a longer story today anyway, so um, we've got lots of information to cover, so we could just get right into it. Let's do it. Okay. Madison Scott. Uh, So Madison Scott was known as Maddie by her friends and family, and so I am going to refer to her as Maddie for most of the episode. I may call her Madison sometimes, but primarily it's going to be Maddie. She was last seen at approximately 3 o'clock a.m. on May 28, 2011, so about 12 years ago. At the time of her disappearance, Maddie had been at the Hogsback Lake 
a forestry campsite. So it was like a forest service campground celebrating a birthday. Her family reported her missing to the Vanderhoof police on May 29th, 2011. Police determined early on that it was extremely out of character for Madison to not be in contact with her family or friends. Uh, And just last month, 12 years to the day that Madison was reported missing, her family was informed that her remains were found on a rural property close to the campground area. So we're going to discuss the case today, the timeline. Um, There is a website. uh, I believe it's findmadisonscott.ca. Let me just double check that, though, because there's a a website. And I know we've talked about this before, but it's like. There's got to be a certain point where you haven't given up hope, but you understand that the outcome isn't likely great. So I wonder where you, where that line is that even remains would be like a relief in the sense of closure in a way. Yeah, everything I know about this case, everybody in the community was really hopeful that Madison would be found alive. Um, so I think that this discovery was really, really devastating. Mm -hmm. Like the whole community is mourning and had really been looking for her for 12 years. Um, but the website that I reference is madisonscott.ca and then the Facebook page is called help find Madison Scott. Um, so I pulled a lot of information from those and then there's been a ton of news articles and, um, one or two documentaries covering this case throughout the years. So, um, but Vanderhoof itself, we've actually talked about Vanderhoof on this podcast before. Um, the victims of serial killer Cody Legibikoff in 2010 um, were mostly from Vanderhoof. That is where Lauren Leslie was from. We covered that case last year, I think in November, and we actually interviewed Megan Leslie in January. That is Lauren was the victim. Megan is her sister. I'm um, but we did. We talked to Megan about her sister, Lauren. Uh, in January on the podcast. So to learn a little bit more about Vanderhoof, you can listen to the original episode for that case. Uh, But Vanderhoof, BC is a community of over 4,300 people. It is close to the geographic center of British Columbia, and it's often considered part of northern BC, but it's actually directly in the middle of the province. Yep. Um, Vanderhoof is located around 900 kilometers north of Vancouver, and Vanderhoof is actually located along Highway 16, which we also know as the Highway of Tears. Um, So that's the general area that Vanderhoof is in. Vanderhoof's main industries are forestry, agriculture, and related businesses. Tourism in the area is growing, and mining operations have also been developed in the areas. Vanderhoof has many elementary schools and has one major secondary school or high school called Nachaco Valley Secondary School, which is where Maddie graduated in 2009. Same as me. I didn't graduate from that school, but I graduated in 2009. And I will say that researching this case was very, it felt close to home given that uh, Maddie was born in like the same year as me and just like the circumstances of how this happened is very much like this could have happened to anybody. Um, so it was a, a little bit close to home while I was researching. Yeah. I remember researching a case last year, I think, and it was someone yeah that was born like in BC the same year as me and just had a lot of similarities to my life and interests at the time. And mm-hmm. 
like bands they liked and stuff and I was just like oh this feels a little it it's just like it's you know when your parents say like it could happen to you and I don't want that to happen to you and it's like you realize like mm-hmm. oh shit it really could happen to me 100% yeah could happen to anyone uh, every summer, Vanderhoof is host to an international air show and is home to a sturgeon recovery center and a bird sanctuary that sees hundreds of migrating geese and swans pass Ooh, through during the that's spring. kind of exciting. Aw. Okay, so let's get to Maddie. Madison Geraldine Scott uh, was born on April 29th, 1991. She was only 20 years old when she disappeared in 2011. Madison had two siblings, a brother, Ben, and a sister named Georgia. She was five foot four, around 160 pounds, and had red hair. Maddie was described as vibrant, free-spirited, loyal, and kind by her friends and family, and she was described by her brother, Ben, as being someone who was just as comfortable in a dress as she was in her work coveralls working on her truck. Yeah, she was super well-rounded, super into the outdoors. Um, We're going to talk a little bit more about Maddie. Sounds really independent, too. Very independent. She does everything. Yes. A former teacher of Maddie said that she was fun and gracious and super smart. Um, She was known to always take the lead in group projects. Like, everyone would kind of have their idea about how it was going to be done, but Maddie would really take charge, and it was... She was was the one that, like, put all the pieces together. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, she was very into film class, it sounded like. Um, cool. Which we will talk about. But yeah, they. she was really loved uh, visual arts class and she would make movies with her friends. Actually, in grade 12. So in the film, the visual arts film class, they would all um, form groups and then have like a, I don't know, movie or a film that they would make as like a group project. Um, And so in grade 12, Maddie and her, some of her classmates formed a group and they called themselves Shenanigan Productions, (laughs) which I thought was funny. Um, And Shenanigan Productions won top visual arts group in their senior year. What? So yeah, that's pretty cool. Her mother, Dawn, described Maddie as independent, strong, witty, and said Madison loved her family and friends, loved life, and doing all her activities. Uh, When Maddie wasn't working at her parents' business in the logging industry with her dad, she loved to play hockey and softball, but it sounds like she especially loved hockey, and she also loved photography. It's a real Canadian girl right there. Yeah. Maddie was also really into dirt biking, horseback riding, basically. Dirt biking? Dirt biking. Yeah, she loved her dirt bike. Uh, Anything outdoors. Basically, everyone agreed that Maddie was super independent, super smart, super fun, and loved everything about the outdoors, which was really great considering the area that they lived in was surrounded by plenty of things to do in the outdoors. Like that Vanderhoof surrounding areas, all like forests and trails and camping and very outdoorsy. So she was thriving living there. <laughs> oh, I bet. It's beautiful. Yeah. And given how independent she was and how, how much she loved the outdoors, Maddie is the absolute last person that anybody thought would go missing just simply because of how savvy she was like oh, yeah, her street smarts are probably every like single notch yeah and like her 
her ability to get herself out of sticky situations. Like everybody said Maddie never needed help. Like she changed her own oil. She did all the work on her own truck. She, like she's you know not I the mean? girl that's going to get a flat tire and then start walking and get herself in trouble. She's just going to fix the tire. Exactly. And yeah. so, yeah, it was like this not only was the community shocked that this would happen to like anybody in their community, but they were but super especially. shocked, especially her. They were like, this shit kind of stuff just does not happen to Maddie. Yeah. Crazy. So like I and like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the timeline of Maddie's disappearance that I'm going to go through was put together using news articles, the Facebook page, Help Find Madison Scott, the website, madisonscott.ca, the YouTube documentary, uh, The Vanishing of Madison Scott, and there was also a 48 Hours episode done on this case. It explored uh, kind of the Highway of Tears. Um, and because Maddie went missing in that area, the... Close proximity, yeah. Yeah, the 48 Hours episode did include her story. Now, it is important to note that the RCMP, like the EPANA project that we talked about in the Highway of Tears cases does not consider Maddie's case a part of that because there's certain criteria that she doesn't meet, um, such as they like they don't consider her camping by herself to be a, quote, high-risk activity, and that is one mm-hmm. of the criteria to be included in the ePANA list. Um, and so there's kind of been debate over the years about whether she should or shouldn't be considered because while she didn't go missing along the highway, Hogsback Lake and Vanderhoof is very close to the highway. And like she did disappear under suspicious circumstances and in like kind of a similar way, like we'll, we'll come to find out that she was very much alone. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's just important to note, like she's not officially on the highway of tears list, but it is so similar and so close to there. And uh, I mean, we still have no answers. So I listened to a podcast about this like a year ago, maybe like Mm -hmm. obviously before any news broke about any remains being found or anything. But yeah, I just remember being like them mentioning pretty much the same thing you just did. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I remember that being very important to know i think it was canadian true crime and that's probably why yeah canadian true crime did a really good episode about this case a few years ago um Mm -hmm. i did listen to it it was well done and i mean she always does great work but um so that's not shocking (laughs) but uh yeah it was just and i did do a little bit of research on that part myself and and yeah that there's a few criteria that her case just doesn't meet but i do agree that i mean the area is so close okay she wasn't along the highway but she was right off of it um you know disappearing a remote area um so yeah we'll we'll go into that but if you're not familiar with the story a lot of this will be new if you are familiar with the story like this isn't necessarily for education this story has been told a ton of times her case has got massive attention many many thanks to her friends and family for keeping her case in the spotlight but mm-hmm. um with the fact that the RCMP is still asking for tips like we have found Maddie now but we still need to to figure out what happened to Maddie um so this is questions. really just to keep this case in the know. Um, so you won't learn that much new is really what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> if you know the case well, I'm not here to present new facts. I'm just here to lay out what we know. So on Friday, May 27th, 2011, Maddie and a friend of hers, Jordan, who went by the name Jordy, 
decided to go to a campsite called Hogsback Lake, which was roughly 25 kilometers southeast of Vanderhoof, to attend a party that had been planned for the night. Um, so this was a birthday party of a friend of Maddie's. The party was posted on Facebook. So we know, especially in this kind of like 2011, 12 era, if you posted a party on Facebook, everyone was coming. Um, yeah, that was a no real capacity. There, that was a really quick way for a party to get out of control, I remember anyways. Um, and so... Maddie had kind of had other plans for that night, but when she found out about this party at the lake, she switched her plans to go to the lake because she just, like, could not pass uh, up an opportunity. Yeah. And then also the girls decided that they would take advantage of the fact that it was a campground um, and pitch a tent for the night so they didn't have to worry about how they would get home um, and they could kind of, like, make a fun night of it. The, I totally get that. Yeah, same. Love camping. Same. The Hogsback Lake Campground was approximately a 15-minute drive from the family home where Maddie lived with her parents, Don and Eldon. Um, according to the website madisonscott.ca, Hogsback Lake Campground is a forestry ca- campsite, which, so it was free, like it's a free-use campground. It wasn't maintained at all, so it had like really bare-bone amenities, like a, an outhouse, but it did have like three good-sized camping areas a swimming area and a dock. Um, and I do believe that it's still in use. Like people do still use it, but it's not like a, a book and, and pay campground. It's like you just go and set up a tent. Um, okay. But the it was a really popular spot for young people to throw parties because A, they could stay overnight and there was no worry of noise well, complaints. it's not monitored really. Well, there's no, yeah, there's no worry of noise complaints. Nobody's out there. Yeah. So the lake itself is around a kilometer long. Um, So it measures 22 feet at its deepest, and it has crystal clear water with over 10 feet of visibility. So cool. Sounds amazing. It really does. Um, And the the lake is also surrounded by forests and, like, several hiking trails. So it is a used area. Okay. I picture Thetis Lake, but nicer. I don't even know what that looks like. I should go there one day. You've never been to Thetis Lake? Never. Wild, I know. The girls, they pack up their camp gear for the night, uh, for the Friday night, into Maddie's white Ford F-150 truck, and they head out to the campsite. Jordy uh, said that this was her first time camping with Maddie, and it sounded like they were friends, but they weren't, like, best friends. They weren't super close. It doesn't sound like they had, like, done a ton together, just the two of them previously. Like, um, I don't think it's that rare for it to be your first time going camping with a girlfriend when you're 20, but um, it just didn't sound to me like they were, like, super close friends. She wasn't, okay. like, going camping with her best friend. This was just a girl that she knew and was kind of friends with. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. When the girls first get to the campsite, they unpacked Maddie's white Ford F-150, and they gathered up some firewood. And then when they went to set up their tent, they realized they forgot the tent poles for the larger tent that they had brought to sleep in. So I guess they brought, like, a little pup tent and then also a larger tent. Um, And they realized the like little pup tent was way too small for them to sleep in. So then they go to set up the larger tent, no poles. So that's okay. They're only about 15 minutes from the house. 
they decide to drive back to Madison's parents' house, pick up the tent poles. And so her mom was like kind of surprised when she walked in the door at 9.30 p.m. <laughs> after being like, bye, I'm going camping. Um, so her mom was like, what are you doing? She said she forgot her tent poles. And Dawn said she told Maddie to be safe. And she walked out the door to go enjoy her night with her tent poles. Okay. Okay. So we have our tent poles now. Perfect. This is good. We are equipped. Yes. So Maddie and Jordy drive back down Blackwater Road toward Hogsback Lake on the evening of Friday, May 27th. Maddie sets up the two-tone blue tent for the night now that she has the appropriate tent poles and parks her white Ford truck beside it. Uh, Maddie drove an off-white early 90s model F-150 pickup truck, and she absolutely loved the thing. She, like I said, she worked, did all the work on it herself. She changed her own oil. Um, she loved her truck. Cute. Yes. So Jordy said that by the time they had gotten back to the campsite and set up their tent and everything, like, remember, they didn't get back to her parents' house till it was 930. So we're probably talking after 10 o'clock at this point. So people had started to show up. There was drinking going on. I mean, I definitely crack a drink before I set up my tent. So I get it. I actually I'd... wondered if they had already been drinking by the time they had to drive back, because I agree, I think they would have opened a drink before they started setting up their tents. Yeah, like maybe cracked one and then realized they had to go back and like, get their poles. It yeah. sounds like they were responsible, so oh, for sure. it's possible, but I am i don't believe that they were like drinking, drinking. But she, Jordy said like once they got back, they were actually setting up the tent and stuff. People were starting to show up. There was drinking starting. Um Fair. Throughout the night, more people showed up, of course. Uh, like I said, it had been posted on Facebook. So there was some people that the main group of people didn't know that showed up. We know that always happens when somebody knows somebody knows somebody who hears about a party. Um, so there was kind of some rowdier guests in attendance at a certain point okay. that nobody really knew. Um, the party... So officially, it says there was 46 people at the party. I just feel like that seems so specific. So I say there had to have been between 45 to 50 people. I just, how yeah. do you know? How do you know? I've Did been to parties have those like that. Little, like, clicker thing? How the heck would you know? People out, they were like one, two, Well. Three. As we'll come to find out, the police did, like, extensively investigate to interview every single person at the party. I just, like, being somebody who has attended parties like that before, I think it would be more than easy for people to slip through the cracks like they had never totally. been there. Anyway, so 45 to 50 people in attendance. Uh, Jordy said it was mostly 18 to 25-year-olds. However, it seems the more rowdy crowd that Jordy spoke of that, like, didn't really know anybody was a bit older, so maybe closer to, like, 40 years old. So, like, kind of an older, hmm. rougher crowd shows up. Um, but everyone was said to be from the Vanderhoof area. Okay. Okay. I just like that you called that an older crowd. It's just funny. Yeah, I am. I, I mean, look, I am the older crowd if I'm partying with a group of 18 to 25 year olds and I'm not even 40. That is an older crowd for I partying with, with like, 20 year olds. I work with people that are 10 years younger than me, like pretty much solely. And it's just a different dynamic. Absolutely it is. I think that we've crossed over into an age in our life where like we can actually... 
funny on this topic brandon and i were talking last night because we went to bed at 7 45 and like we were both so excited to go to bed and we we put on a, a show for like 45 minutes but like we didn't want to be on the couch anymore we were like going to bed 7 45 and we were laughing thinking about the fact that like less than 10 years ago i wouldn't have even been like i would have just I would have been, been caught dead talking about going to bed well, like, I would have just been starting to get ready to think about going out of my mm-hmm. house. Oh, what time are you meeting up? Oh, we're going to meet up at 9 at someone's house and pregame and then go downtown. It's like, 9? I can't even fathom that You want that me to now. start getting ready after dinner? And so, yeah, you really just like I'm, I recognize that I'm not old, but I've crossed over into an era where I like can't relate with a lot of the things 20 year olds are able to do. Like, I love that for you, but I can't relate, you know? Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, f- some older, older crowd for 18 to 25 year olds shows up and is partying with them. But yeah, everyone said to be from Vanderhoof. According to the documentary, The Vanishing of Madison Scott, which I watched on YouTube, at around midnight, Jordy said that a fight broke out around the campfire. And Jordy, who was admittedly super drunk, she said that Maddie actually didn't get like that drunk. She wasn't like visibly stumbling over or anything. Like she was just having a good time having some drinks. But Jordy said she like overdrank and was super drunk. And so this fight breaks out around the campfire and Jordy ends up getting pushed and falls in the fire. (gasps) So she's drunk and upset and she's probably a bit hurt. And she had actually met a guy at this party that she like started dating that day at the party. I don't know. Uh, She decides that she wants to go home for the night with this guy who lives near Hogsback Lake. She's upset. She's hurt. She's She's on the fire. She's drunk and she's upset and she's like, take me home. Okay. Correct. She doesn't want to be there anymore. (laughs) And so Maddie was, I guess, already like in her tent in her sleeping bag at this point. Um, And it sounds like she had been texting with her parents about like a song or something. And she goes to like tell maddie that she's leaving for the night and jordy said that maddie was like kind of upset and asked her to stay like she was like no 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 stay with me because they had planned to camp there together for the night uh but jordy said that she just like really wanted to leave and offered for maddie to come with her like she said well i really just want to go but like you can come um Mm -hmm. but again maddie was already in her bed and her sleeping bag and all of her stuff was there like her truck was there and all of her things um and she just didn't want to leave her stuff so jordy states in the documentary that madison decided to stay jordy says she left around 1 a.m and the last known time that anyone saw madison at the party was said to be between 2.45 and 3 a.m. on the morning of Saturday, May 28th. Uh, So it's possible that she, like, got out of her sleeping bag and got up and started partying again. I've done it. Um, Same. You go and have, like, a lay down and then you hear... And then you hear people partying and whatever and then, like, you get up and you go back. Or you hear someone yelling your name. Sure, yeah. It's the worst. So Jordy said when she left, there was only around five people left at the campground partying, though. She said that, like, everyone had basically dispersed. Um, And a few other friends said after the fact that, 
like other people were supposed to stay at the campground that night. There was a couple groups that were, I guess, supposed to sleep over and everybody left Maddie alone there. She was the only person left camping overnight at that campsite. Everybody else left. Can't believe she didn't sleep in her truck. Maybe she was like already in bed sleeping and didn't realize that everybody had abandoned her. I don't know. But yeah, everybody left her. Scary. So, okay. Yeah. So the next morning, Saturday, uh, Maddie's mom and dad, Don and Eldon, don't really notice anything as a miss because like they still they hadn't heard from Maddie since she had been texting with them at the party the night before. They said the last text that they that she sent them was around 1130 p.m. Um, and Don did try to call her Saturday, but said it went straight to voicemail. But there wasn't great service at the lake. Like the lake was kind of patchy service and her parents just thought maybe she stayed to camp. Like Dawn said, she, she said, she said, quote, I thought, gee, like she's 20 years old. She went to the lake. The weather was beautiful. She was with friends. If something was up, she would call. So you'd hope. So yeah, they don't, and she wasn't expected to be anywhere Saturday. I mean, she's 20 years yeah. old. Like, uh, it's, you know, it's not like she's 14. Her responsibilities um, are limited and she also has minimal need to contact her parents checking in and out throughout the day because she's older. Yeah. And she wasn't expected to be anywhere Saturday. She didn't have any plans that weekend. There wasn't anywhere that where she was like supposed to arrive to. So nobody really thought anything of it it was just kind of like yeah she probably camped and then stayed with her friends so it wasn't until sunday when her parents and other friends still hadn't heard from maddie that don and eldon decide to go check the lake out for themselves um now before that they actually did try to get a hold of jordy uh because remember jordy just kind of like left the campground and then he just peaced out so we heard of her. Um, so that same Sunday morning that they're like, still haven't heard from Maddie, still haven't gotten a text. Seems weird. Don says she also tries to get a hold of Jordy to see if she knew where Maddie was. And she spoke to her mom who said that Jordy had been home since Saturday. She had gone to work. And so this is when Don really starts to freak out because they were supposed to be together. Yeah, that was your buddy system. Exactly. Dawn calls Jordy at work and discovers that she hasn't seen Maddie since early that Saturday morning when she left the campsite and had not been to the campground since Saturday when she went back and got her things. So it turns out that Jordy and her new boyfriend returned to the campsite Saturday morning at around 8.30 a.m. to get to like pick up her clothes and her sleeping bag. And then she had to go to work that day. She found that the tent had been unzipped, that all of the things in the tent were kind of like looked like they had been pushed around and pushed over to the side of the tent. She didn't see Maddie and she just took her stuff and left and went to work. And didn't tell anybody. That is crazy. It's not great. It's it's not, not great. a great look. It's not great in any way, shape, or form. Like I understand that you're 20, and maybe you just thought you went to the bathroom, but like you're clearly saying that you showed up, the tent door was open, the stuff She's looked like it had be been found. pushed around, and she wasn't there, and you didn't think to call her mom, or like 
really anybody ask around be concerned yeah so that that kind of blew my mind i don't know if i was going camping with somebody and then they just i don't know that would that would strike me as odd but again maybe she, you thought she just got up and went to the bathroom they're 20 years old i'm not blaming anybody i'm just saying that's a bit strange it is a bit strange yeah i just don't know why you'd be so like kind of oblivious to that like, I know even at 20, if I found that and it was like my girlfriend and it was just her and I knew she was staying alone in there, potentially, mm-hmm. I think every hair on the back of my neck would go up. It would it would strike me as a little bit like, huh, I wonder where she went. Agreed. And I'm not blaming anyone. No. It's not her responsibility to have done anything in this situation. I think we are just I... saying for ourselves, that seems odd. And it's a all. good reminder that like if something seems off, it probably is and... If you have a buddy, like, just, you know. And trust your gut. Trust your gut. Yeah, 100%. That's that's all we're really saying. We're not saying this yeah. is any and fault that, of anyone's. But, um, yeah. Totally. It's, a good, it's saying, a good lesson to be learned for all of us. In that circumstance, as a nervous person, I know my gut would be doing some little flippy floppies. But, again, small town. You go yeah, out camping. 100%. You do all these things. Yeah. You And as we said at the beginning, she really never – needed saved quote unquote like nobody ever had to protect her or do things for her so yeah Uh, a couple other partiers also went back to the campsite the next day to clean up and saw maddie's tent still standing and her truck but nobody checked to see if she was in the tent uh at this time there was no other tents or campers there and this is thought to have been around 10 a.m okay so Don and Eldon talked to Jordy. Jordy has no idea where Maddie is, hasn't seen her since 1 a.m. when she left the campsite Saturday morning. So now they're really starting to think, like, we need to go down there and see what we can find. So Don and Eldon drive to the Hogsback Lake campground to look for Maddie. Um, Honestly, they expected to, like, find her sitting around a campground with a group of her friends just being like, like, oh, I just, like, stayed, have fun, I'm hungover, like, yeah. You know, that there would be a perfect explanation for all of this. Instead, they found Maddie's white truck and her tent that had now been trampled flat, but no Maddie. So her tent is like trampled on and flattened. Her truck is there. The campground is empty. Maddie is not there. Um, Her parents actually had a spare key to her truck, so they were able to open it. And they found her purse in the truck However, her cell phone, which was an iPhone 4 in a light blue case, and her truck keys on a Gothic-style lanyard were nowhere to be found. Do you remember all the iPhone cases, actually every phone case, when they were like the jelly ones, too? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's immediately what I pictured. I also just can't believe that we're on like iPhone 15. It made me... Yeah. The other day I went to get a new phone and it said an iPhone. A Galaxy S23. I know. Maybe my remember phone's when not I was like old and it's like a 10. I know. When did it jump up to like. They make a new phone every single year. But it's like all of a sudden they went from 10 to like 20. I know. It's like they skipped fair. all the numbers in between because they couldn't have gone. Like my phone is like three years old. Maybe they made it like the the twenty because it's it's even better. They just skipped numbers and went. Or it's like their twenty the... year anniversary. Well, Samsung's been around probably more than twenty years. 
I have no idea. I'm still rocking an iPhone 11, and I will rock it till the day it dies. I refuse to pay for you a new phone. You love that phone, though. I refuse. You always say that phone has not done you nothing wrong. It hasn't. But you know what? I am a person that loves taking pictures, so that's starting to get a bit hard because <laughs> I know that the camera on the new phones is way better. But Brandon has, like, a 13 or something, so I can just use his phone to take pictures. You're like, babe, take my pictures. Your phone's better. Yeah. Anyways, so Maddie's purse is in the truck, but her cell phone and her keys are missing. So those are the only two things that are not in the area, like that would have been. But her truck is there, right? Her truck is there. It's locked. The keys aren't. Okay. Her purse is in the truck. Her keys and her cell phone are the only things missing. Which makes sense. You lock your purse in the car. You put your phone in your back pocket. You have your keys with you. And you have your keys. Perfectly, perfectly sane. Okay. Yes. Maddie's father, Eldon, started to do a broader search of the campground to see if he could find anything, like any sign, any trace. Just basically, that's your next move is you're going to start looking. Well, also, that's kind of what I thought when you said they wanted to go out there and see for themselves. It's like, I think you also kind of get a gut feeling if you should be concerned or not once you see the lay of the land. Yeah. So I think that's also part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So Eldon saw some other people camping nearby. Remember I said there's kind of like three main camping areas. Yeah. Um, so they were only so using one. They they were only using one for the party and like that's where Maddie's stuff would have been. But then when Eldon kind of starts looking around the campsite, he sees this group of people at the second camping area. Um, and so her her parents approach them again, kind of hoping to just like find Maddie laughing around the fire. But um, we've all been at a campground and gone over to someone else's campsite yeah. because late at night you can barely see and you're like, hey, do you want to come make s'mores? And you just like yell from campsite. to camp. OK, maybe that's not in other places, but in B.C., that's how you camp. Yeah. I mean, even in this situation, it wouldn't be far fetched if her friends were camping at a different area that like she would have walked over to them because there's like, let's say, five people in that site and one hers. Like totally. we do the same thing. My friends will get separate campsites and then we kind of pick like a host site, if you will, where totally or everybody hangs side out by side. side. Yeah, that's the hub. We always end up being the host site now because we have the bathroom with the trailer. But I was going to say because you have the trailer. Yeah, because we have the toilet <laughs> And the area to change. Um, so yeah, her parents walk over to this group of people and they did see that it was friends of Maddie's, um, like a different group of friends. And so they're hoping to just find Maddie. But when they get there, the friends say that they hadn't seen Maddie at all and that her truck had been there since the night before. So her truck had not moved. Wait, they hadn't seen her at all? No. So, well, I guess she arrived after dark, so it's not crazy, but... No, so this is Sunday morning. So this is part like this is friends that weren't even at that party. They're just camping there. They hadn't seen her oh, at all. Okay. okay. Yeah, like the truck had been there the whole time they were there, but they hadn't seen her. So nobody has seen mm. Maddie since like three a.m. on Saturday morning. Only the people at the party. Okay. Yeah. Or Friday night. What? However your brain works, because yeah. I feel like my brain still considers like if you're partying night three a.m. to be the night before. When it's technically the next like, day. Like, I would say I stayed out till 3 a.m. last night. I wouldn't say I stayed out till 3 a.m. this morning. Yes. That's, I agree. You and I say it the same way. We've talked mm-hmm. about this. Everybody's brain works differently, though. So I'm just, I'm just clarifying. Nobody's um, wrong. Nobody's wrong. I'm sure somebody will have something to say about that, but I don't. Someone's going to be like, someone has to be wrong. Yeah. No, that's not how we work around here. No, I don't believe in absolutes. If you know me well, you know that. Yeah. Um, okay. 
at this point that Don calls the RCMP. Okay. Let me see if I can play the call. These people like a phone call. Never mind. If I find the clip, I'll send it to you. But um, Okay. So, yeah. It's at this point when Don approaches this group of friends and Maddie is not there either that Don calls the RCMP. The police were called within 10 to 15 minutes of Maddie's parents arriving at the lake to look for her. When the police arrived at Hogsback to start looking for Maddie, uh, it was around 12.30 p.m. on Sunday, May 29th, 2011, and police and family said from the get-go that it was unusual for Maddie to not be in contact with her loved ones, and her disappearance was immediately considered suspicious, which we love to hear. Yeah, it's excessively out of character, and they took that at face value, which is all we ask. Yes, so that's great. Uh, so the search starts really quick. There's absolutely no delay in looking for Madison. Um, the official search and rescue was started very quickly after she was reported missing. Like that day, volunteers joined in searches by air, ground, water. Uh, volunteer searches were directed by the RCMP along with a search and rescue team from Vanderhoof. Um, but they also brought in search and rescue teams from Prince George, Burns Lake and Fort St. James, which are all kind of like surrounding areas. And we're very fortunate that we have very good search and rescue because we, we are do. such a mountainous terrain, hiking, skiing province. Yes. But yeah, just kudos to our search and rescue. Out we there. do have really good SNR here and, because and of we're our going terrain into busy and season with are, fires yeah. and stuff too. So yeah, be safe out there. Uh, so grid searches were conducted throughout the area, starting at the Hogsback Lake campsite with helicopters. Uh, the late the lake, sorry, was also searched by boat with like side searching sonar, which is kind of cool. So every if you've been on a boat, you know that um, you can get like scanners to scan the bottom of the boat, but this actually was like side scanning, which can I guess just get a lot more area, so it wouldn't take them as long to search. Basically, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, my voice just cracked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Upwards of 150 people, including horseback patrols of the shorelines, walking and ATV trails, and the logging roads in the area, um, were searched. So there was like 150 people searching this area on the initial search. Jeez. Yes. Um, now, we've kind of talked about it, but... It's important to note the area surrounding this campsite is rough. Like, it is dense forest. It's not an open area. You're walking through, like, thick brush. If you've ever watched Alone. Like, <laughs> Legit. Just, but just the idea of, like, it's so thick that you're, like, climbing over. Yes. You're not even walking through. Mm -hmm. You're actually having to get up on top of brush because it is so dense and dry most yeah. of the time. We have um, a lot yeah. of area like that in this province. Very um, much so. And it's like vast. Like this area was huge. There's a reason so that it's hard we film alone here. And yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. Maddie was also believed to have been wearing flip flops. So that would have made it super difficult no. to walk through any dense brush surrounding area. Like you wouldn't have been, basically, in my opinion, hiking through there no you'd get like to the first 
really intense part and you'd probably just be like laying there laughing at yourself eventually because you just couldn't really get far in the dark in that terrain after a few drinks in flip-flops i call bullshit yeah yeah i agree So the surrounding areas of the lake and the campsite were searched thoroughly and no evidence was found that anyone had ever like had left that area on foot or by ATV or any of the trails or through the woods. Um, And if you are interested in kind of a more extensive overview of the search process, the documentary The Vanishing of Madison Scott on YouTube does do a really extensive overview of the search for her. So the initial search of uh, the initial 150 person search failed to find any trace of Maddie. And on Monday, May 30th, 2011, so the next day, the RCMP called off their ground search. The RCMP saw no evidence of anything that would have caused Maddie to leave the campground on her own, um, like a flat tire, kind of like what we were talking about before. There was no evidence she had like truck problems that would have caused her to like walk for help um there's no no evidence to have left there there's no reason for her to have left there and then like i said there's no real evidence of anyone leaving that area on foot at all yeah so no like broken brush footprints things like that so i Mm -hmm. agree that that's an exhaustive search for no reason if there's no indication to show that that happened well, and they also determined from this search that Vanderhoof Search and Rescue and the RCMP both believed that she had to have left in some in a vehicle of some sort because there like was no right evidence to indicate yeah. she left by foot. Like she had to have been, yeah, taken in a vehicle or left in a vehicle. Um, so they also stated there was no camping. sign of sorry. That's so hard when it's camping because you know how everyone's like vehicles are all piled in. It's like someone could easily be snuck into a vehicle without anyone ever noticing because it's dark and you just like open a door. Mm -hmm. That's terrifying. The RCMP also stated that there was no sign of a struggle. Um, And I thought that that was interesting because Uh... the tent was completely trampled by the time they got to it. And we will find out why. I will tell you why the the tent was trampled. And they don't believe that that part has anything to do with Madison's disappearance. But like Jordy said that when she got there, the tent was wide open and all of the stuff in the tent was flung around it. So couldn't that potentially mean that there had been something weird about how she left? Yeah, I also feel like the fact that you, at the time, had no idea what happened to her, that's a pretty Mm -hmm. bold statement to say. Well, there's no evidence at the scene of a sign of a struggle, but, like, maybe there would have been if that tent never got flattened and they could actually see what the tent looked like when she left. Like, I don't know. I just think it's, like, I don't know that all the... It's unusual. You don't have all the information. But, anyways... The RCMP announced that the physical search of the area would be suspended until new information could be obtained that would allow their searches to focus efforts in another direction than already considered. Um, And they also announced that they did believe foul play was involved in the disappearance of Madison Scott. Understandable if they don't outright saying, yeah, right away, foul play. Um, 
And yeah, that basically they would resume their physical search if there was any new evidence that pointed a different direction or actually like told them that she was there. Yeah, if there's reason to believe that they'll find something there, then they'll go back. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I'm, I'm not trying to sound callous about it, but I get it. It's mm-hmm. like they're chasing a dead end at that point if they have no information. Yeah. And they're using a lot of resources if they don't believe there's actually something there. That's what I meant. Like, it's so exhaustive what they're doing just because they're using every resource. Mm -hmm. After the official search was called off, Maddie's family raised money to pay for further helicopter searches and boat searches of the lake. Um, So they fundraised to have more like helicopter aerial searching done and that side side sonar searching. Family, friends, and other volunteers continued grid searches in the area. Uh, Roads were searched by vehicles. Trails were searched by foot and ATV. Um, House-to-house canvassing began. So friends and family and these volunteer searches started going door-to-door. And this is around the time when the Facebook group and the website were created. I think it's important to mention, too, that people in this area, um, like a lot of people own small planes, So when they say friends were helping by air, that's true. So they do have an Mm -hmm. opportunity to reach out and ask for assistance from friends who may have little like Cessna style planes who can do these flights over fields and hard terrain for them. So that's incredible. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Maddie's parents also started their own investigation by piecing together the events that happened that day. Uh, They were able to retrace Maddie's trail throughout the day as she visited a liquor store and bought snacks. Um, And she was seen on a security camera recorded just hours before she disappeared. The volunteer search uh, covered so much ground. So if you're familiar at all with the area all the roads from the fraser lake to isle pier were driven and any tracks leaving the road were investigated uh and there's so many trails in there like side trails and like side roads that you can go down grid searches of all of the trails around the hogsback area um were done just nearby. like little dirt roads too like yeah. they're just like Little nothing roads. Like, these aren't even paved roads we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, The Canadian Rangers were actually out searching for a weekend. Uh, The surrounding trails and roads were driven by ATVs. Private land and buildings were searched. Um, But, again, none of these searches turned up any sign of Madison. The police found and interviewed, they say, all partygoers. Every single person who was at that party was interviewed. And I think that they got a lot of them. I mean, this is a small town. And again, it was on Facebook. So it probably would have been easy to get the majority of people. But I I agree. I just feel like there's got to be a couple people that fell through the cracks. And I'm not saying they did it. But I'm just, I never think you can get anyone. That's like saying the police got an attendance list for a bonfire. Yeah. It just is never going to be... No. Like, people stop in and out quickly. People bring their friends and booze not everyone and come have a smoke. And, and like, yeah. Yeah. Or if I agree. bring someone and nobody knows who that person is, they weren't on the Facebook page, like... But they interviewed I, 
a lot mm. of people it sounds like um and they have also not been shy about their use of polygraphs in this case they've polygraph tested like every party goer that they could speak to good Tom Wamsteeker of the Vanderhoof RCMP said that the investigation was complicated by the fact that on Saturday night there was a second party at the exact same campground. Um, obviously a different group of people, different group of friends, uh, but investigators now had to work to not only identify and interview everyone who attended the party Maddie attended on Friday, but also everyone who attended the second party that was held at the same site on Saturday night where there was around 150 people in attendance. Um, and this is where it's determined the tank got flattened was the second party. Which is honestly not shocking. If there was a, a vacant tent and a party of 150 people, I would have bet money that somebody would have trampled it. I can almost recall every party I ever, or every group I ever partied with at a campground, somebody fell on a tent. Yes, 100%. Fell yeah. every time. So, yep. so is that's it not shocking. shocking to think that someone fell on the tent and then no. some drunk person was like, I can't get up. And that yeah. happened. No, not no. crazy. Yeah, so there's this second party. It's huge. It's got 150 people, but that really complicates the evidence and the work that the police have to do in order to now mm -hmm. talk to everyone at the second party. Uh, so the person who flattened the tent was identified and questioned, but nothing was reported to the republic, like to the public regarding motive. Again, probably what Katie said: somebody got drunk and fucking flailed into it. Pretty common. Um, hundred. I, I have in my in my script here: one hundred and fifty drunk people and an empty tent. It's not shocking that it got flattened. It's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So the RCMP continue their investigation over the years with more interviews and polygraphs of partygoers. They followed up on tips. Uh, they looked at cell phone records and other leads. The lake has been searched multiple times. Phone records have been examined and double-checked. Uh, this case has been reviewed by other RCMP divisions as well as the OPP as well uh, and is headed by the RCMP Major Crimes Unit in connection with the RCMP in Vanderhoof. Hmm. There's been a lot of eyes on this case. Yeah, and I don't knock them. I think they're doing everything they could at the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. They really were. Madison's family states that throughout the investigation, their family was in regular communication with the northern, uh, the North District's major R major crime unit, the RCMP major crime unit in the northern district, and that they have been kept in the loop as much as possible, um, which is really nice to hear because often we talk about cases on this show where they don't feel like the RCMP is telling them anything. They don't feel like they're working collaboratively. You know, after a couple of years, it just feels like you you. Family members seem to say they hear less and less from the police as the years go on, and it sounds like this case has Wasn't been the very case. correct. It's been very thoroughly investigated. It's been kept in the forefront. Um, nobody has forgotten about Maddie. I have to probably say a kudos from everyone in the true crime community that thank you for keeping the family updated because it doesn't seem like that much to ask. Yeah, for sure. 
Maddie's face was plastered all over Vanderhoof and the surrounding neighborhoods. Um, those in the area said, like, you cannot go near Vanderhoof without seeing a poster for Maddie. There's a billboard placed every few kilometers on the highway into town. Posters were put up over most of BC. Her face was on store windows and truck bumper stickers. Um, they even enlarged it on the side of a building. Um <laughs> Yeah, just it's impressive. Everywhere her name kind was kind of reminds me of Ryan Stuka, like yes. the billboards, the sign, the banner thing on the fence when you go into yes. town. Yeah. Very, very similar. Yep. Yeah. Um, Madison was described, like I said, as having red hair, standing five foot four, weighing one hundred and sixty pounds at the time of her disappearance. She also had a bird silhouette tattoo on her left wrist and a piercing in her left nostril. Um, she was last seen wearing a black t-shirt and blue jean capri pants. This has kind of been contested by like online sleuths. So I was kind of reading, I, I don't know, sometimes I fall down the Reddit rabbit hole, which is like always terrifying. But um, some like online sleuthers pointed out that she was supposed to have been in her sleeping bag when Jordy left, meaning like, would she have been in jeans and a t-shirt or would she have been in her pajamas? I will just say that Jordy left at 1 a.m. and it was said that Maddie was last seen at like 2.45 to 3. So it's possible she was just in her yeah. sleeping bag, in her jeans, taking a break. Like, again, I camp a lot and none of these things really seem out of the ordinary. You go for like a fiver nap and you're not going to put your pajamas on knowing full well you're going to get up and party again. I'm pretty um, sure that every time I go camping, one night I fall asleep in my clothes. Yeah, so Fully it's clothed. just super possible that she was dressed and that she was last seen wearing jeans and that t-shirt um, when she was partying. A reward was offered originally by Maddie's family for $15,000 for information that resulted in the capture and conviction of the person or people responsible for her disappearance. Three months after her disappearance, the reward was upped to $25,000, and eventually uh, the reward still to this day is $100,000 for information wow. that results in um, the capture and conviction of whoever is responsible for Maddie's disappearance. Six months after Madison disappeared in November of 2011, some of her friends took a trip to Vancouver, B.C. with 6,000 flyers about her disappearance. Wow. And they actually canvassed the crowd at the Grey Cup. The Grey Cup was held in Vancouver that year. And so they handed, out, yeah, they handed out 6,000 flyers outside of the Grey Cup event at B.C. Place. Yeah, like Very CFL, impressive. Right? Yes. Okay. See the CFL, yes, CFL, yeah. Uh, friend, like I said at the beginning yeah, of the episode, we have a football league too. Yes, we sure do. We have our own <laughs> football league. You can't sit with us. Um, you don't want good time. <laughs> I'm kidding. They don't want to sit with us. No, not at all. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, friends of Madison and like people who knew Madison said they could not believe she was actually missing when she first disappeared. Um, one of her friends, Teresa, who she played hockey with, said that she because she knew Maddie was like such a f photography enthusiast, she was like, OK, she loved taking pictures. She probably wandered off to the trail to take a picture and like broke her leg or something and somebody just needs to find her. Like nobody could believe 
that Madison was missing and that something like this would happen to her specifically. Well, yeah, it sounds, again, and then we've said this multiple times, but she wasn't the damsel in distress. She didn't need to be saved. No, she, like, was independent, could get herself in and out of anything. Everybody was shocked. Nobody could believe it. Teresa helped start and run the Help Find Madison Scott Facebook page, which was started to uh, look for information regarding her disappearance. Maddie's family and friends kept her story alive by organizing a poker ride as well every year for hikers, horseback riders, all-terrain vehicles, and even walkers. Um, And they did that every May on the trail where Madison went missing. So it wasn't necessarily to, like, look for Maddie. While they did tell everybody to, like, keep their eyes out for her and everything, it was more more just like an awareness walk. Awareness to keep the story alive, um, to keep Madison alive. Yeah, every single year they would do this poker run. And it raised money as well to um, fund the the campaign for her disappearance. So the posters, the billboards, all of these things, the The extra searches, the the helicopter searches they were paying for, the boat searches they were paying for, this poker run, all of that money that was fundraised would go to supporting this campaign to help find her. It's really smart. It is, yeah. And a great way to keep the story alive because, of course, that many people come out, it attracts the news, and it's it's a super great... um, way to get bring everyone together so one year after madison's disappearance the police put out a statement that they were no closer to finding her rcmp constable leslie smith told news outlets quote we're looking at foul play here there is no reason for her to leave connect uh no connection at all to gang affiliations but it is unknown who was at the party at the time Annual searches were conducted for Maddie at Hogsback Lake and the backcountry areas southeast of Vanderhoof. Okay, but now they're saying they don't know who was at the site. Is that saying like they don't know who was at the second party? They're saying that they don't know who took her. Okay. They're saying that there's obviously an unknown player that they're missing and they don't know who it is. They do not believe to this day that anybody who they've interviewed that was at the party is responsible for this or is involved in any way. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm glad Please. to hear, but hmm. Yeah. So at this at this press conference at the one-year mark, they also explained that they believe there are people who know where Madison is or what happened to her, but that they have heard a lot of rumors and need to hear from a source directly. So they kind of hint at that they've heard things, but they need somebody to come forward and give them actual information. Uh, so they said, quote, we want to hear from that person, not the third person, not from the postman's daughter's boyfriend's butcher. We want to hear from that individual. If they saw something that they thought is not going to be important for RCMP, we still want to hear from that individual. So mm-hmm. it sounds like what they're saying is they're hearing a lot of hearsay, but nothing from the source directly. Yeah, so they have a story, and should it be confirmed, that would be incredible, but they need someone to confirm it. Correct. Okay. That's how I believe this to read. That's kind of how I was hearing that, although I think it's an interesting plea for information. Uh It's also what I took from it. Yeah. So we're going to fast forward a bit because really, like, the searches and the campaigns 
to keep Maddie's story alive and the poker rides and all that continue, but nothing happens. Um, in 2020, Sergeant Matt McLeod told the Prince George Citizen that the police believed something criminal had happened to Maddie between 4 a.m. and 8.30 a.m. on May 28, 2011, that led her to disappear. They reiterated at the time they did not believe that she simply walked away. And I think the reason for this timeline is because she was seen um, at about three. I believe that they nailed down that people didn't leave the party. Like the the party goers all didn't disperse until around 3.30. And then Jordy came Mm. back at 8.30 in the morning and Maddie was not there. So they narrowed down a window kind of. Yeah, of something had to have occurred between this kind of like 3.30 a.m., 4 a.m. and 8.30 a.m. timeline when Jordy goes back to the site and Maddie's gone. Okay. Well, at least we can narrow that down, but Mm -hmm. unfortunately at the time it still didn't give us anything, it sounds like. No. Yeah. Nope. Oh, I had some more information in here about the poker ride that I forgot to share. Um, So, yeah, they called it the On the Trail to Find Maddie poker ride. Um, They held it since 2012. And proceeds from the poker ride also went to the local community association. Um, So as well as funding for the Find Maddie awareness campaign, um, they also donated to the local community association, which is really cool. Uh, And then also during COVID, because they obviously couldn't hold the ride in the massive group they were used to, um, because it would attract like 500 plus people at a time, the ride was still held virtually. Um, So you were still able to sign up for the ride, like donate or or pay for the ride. Take part in it, so to speak. Take part in it. Um, The family was still encouraging people to go out to the the public access trails and think about Maddie, keep their eyes open for any clues. Um, so yeah, over COVID, they weren't able to do it in person, but they, they did do a virtual ride. That's so sweet. I'm actually like still blown away by how the community came together during COVID to make so many things accessible for people still. Yeah. I am still very proud of a lot of that as just like a human being. Yep. There's and a, a lot of like not great stuff that came out of that, but if you can True. hold on to the good stuff, I love that. I'm trying. Yeah. My little optimist. Eh, not usually, but we're working on it. No, I totally agree with you that it was really nice to see so many people like, and actually in our area, I don't know if you had this, but we had um, some girls start like Facebook groups where you would drop off like a goodie basket at someone's house and it was kind of like a pay it forward thing. Oh yeah, we did have something like that. Um, It wasn't massive here, but there was something like that. You would like get a basket dropped off and then you would have to go and pick out like an address or whatever and whatever that person was like needing at the time, a wine bottle or whatever, and then like make them a little care package and drop it off. It was a really cute idea. It was a feel good thing. Yeah. It was cute. Yeah. Anyway. I love that. Um, So yeah, I mean, this case, I, I said it already, but it's been covered by news outlets, podcasts, missing person sites, documentaries, like... This you case name it, has, they've covered it. This case has been heavily covered. It's got a massive amount of awareness um, to find Maddie. And in a video statement on the 10-year anniversary of Maddie's disappearance on May 28, 2021, her mother, Dawn, said in a video about Madison, quote, she is wonderful, messy, creative, a loving aunt and sister, 
in law. Somebody knows something and someone needs to come forward. We have a recurring image of Maddie sitting somewhere waiting for us to rescue her and we haven't found her yet. Dawn says while she doesn't think anyone at the party knows anything about what happened to Maddie, she says that somebody obviously knows something. Well, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there's at least one person who knows something. There has to be somebody. Yeah. So 12 years goes by with absolutely no sign of Madison or what happened to her. Um, Her disappearance remained high profile. Billboards and posters were still a common sight in Vanderhoof. I feel like oftentimes we see the posters and the billboards kind of come down over time. Just, you know, some, I don't, people get weird and it's been long enough. Like, stop telling somebody that they can't advocate for them. There's no such thing as too long. Um, I know I've seen that in other cases where, and we talked about that in the Chelsea Portman case, actually, where there were people's asses people in the community ripping the posters down like get out of here um that that did not happen in this case it was still common to this day to see posters and billboards and you know neighboring communities with things up asking for tips about maddie's disappearance good and that's what we should see Mm -hmm. now that is until about oh god well three weeks ago basically to the day that this episode goes up yeah On May 29th, 2023, the RCMP announced that Madison Scott's remains were found on a rural property near Hogsback Lake after receiving reports of bones found on a farm property. Um, This is east of Vanderhoof and close to Hogsback. The Scott family was notified on May 28th, 2023, which is exactly 12 years to the day that Madison was reported missing. Um, It's unknown when they actually found the remains because the RCMP wouldn't really give a date when that actually occurred. But the family was notified on the 12-year anniversary and then the public found out the next day. And then all of you tagged me in all of the The next day. (laughs) The next day. Uh, which I very much appreciated. Of course. On the same day, so the 28th when Madison's family was notified, the RCMP also stated, oh, sorry, when they notified the public on the 29th, the RCMP also stated that a search was underway of the property where Madison was found, which again was on the east side of Vanderhoof on South Slope Road around 80 kilometers west of Prince George. Um, this rural property is said to be located like a few kilometers away from Hogsback Lake. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to picture it and I just don't know the area well enough, but. I do have a photo that I will post on our socials. Okay. I'll show you as well. But, um, yeah, I do have a photo of kind of like the map that shows where the campsite is in proximity to the search location. So I'll make sure that it goes up. Sweet. Maddie's identify was confirmed by the BC Coroner Service and Corporal Madonna Saunderson stated in a news release that the discovery of Madison's remains is a significant development in the investigation, but that it was far from over. She also confirmed that criminality was suspected from the onset of Maddie's disappearance and that foul play has not been ruled out. No cause of death was released. Um, And... 
I'm sure that we will eventually get cause of death, but because this is an ongoing investigation, it's really, really possible that the RCMP is going to keep things like cause of death, when she was found, where she was found, the state she was found, all very close to the chest because it is only information that that whoever was involved in potentially killing Madison knows. So they can't leak it because it incites like things like false confessions. It makes it hard to determine if the person that you think did the crime actually did it. Um, oh, the truth, yeah. So, yeah. I also feel like after 12 years, the rate of de- decomposition is so high that mm-hmm. there's probably a... It could take a long time to figure out cause of death, potentially, because we also yeah. don't know what state the remains were found in, so to yeah. speak, in a way. Yeah. I think I only mentioned that because I know that when a case like this has been so high profile and then a big development like this comes, we have a tendency as the public to want to know everything and think we're entitled to know everything because we've been so invested, if you will, in Funny the case story. for 12 years. Um, and we're not. We're just not. Um, you know, we've, bystanders we've the mayor actually of Vanderhoof said it the best. We've waited 12 years for answers. We can wait a little bit longer. Um, let's yes, just let can, the police mayor. do their job. You know, I agree with that statement. A hundred percent. Yeah. Since the recovery of Maddie's remains, the Scott family has asked for privacy. Uh, they did release a statement through the RCMP, uh, and I can read. I have the full statement that I will read. On May 28th, 2023, 12 years since the day that Madison Scott went missing, we, the Scott family, were notified that Maddie's remains had been identified. Since May 28th, 2011, we have been focused to find Maddie. While there is some relief that Maddie has been found, we are left with many answers that now have us motivated to find answers to truly bring Maddie home. The emotions that we have experienced since Sunday cannot be summarized. However, we are once again astonished at the outpour of support that we have received from family, friends, and our communities. This support has been unwavering since day one, which we are forever grateful and truly believe that it is the reason that Maddie has been found. As a family, we now have the opportunity to allow Maddie to rest, although nothing has yet been planned. We trust that with patience, persistence, and belief that we will receive answers and remain motivated to achieve closure. We encourage anyone that has information that may further the investigation into Maddie's disappearance to bring this forward to the RCMP. Please call the tip line 1-778-290-5291 or 1-877-543-4822. We are extremely appreciative for the continued support, but kindly ask for privacy through these times. Sincerely, the Scott family. That's the least we can give them is their privacy right now. Totally. Uh, Corporal Saunderson also did not confirm whether the information leading to the discovery of Maddie came from like a tip, like from information provided by the public. She said of the investigation, quote, the discovery of Maddie is a significant develop, but their investigation remains an active and ongoing missing persons investigation. Which seems kind of strange. That does seem strange. Yeah. Interesting that they and haven't for yet obvious called. reasons. 
It's interesting to me that they haven't yet called it a murder investigation because we know yeah. that the choice of the words that the police use is important. Is important. So I don't know if that was just a mistake, but I thought it was interesting. <clears throat> I agree. More than 1,000 residents and community members in Vanderhoof, B.C. gathered on Saturday, June 3rd, 2023 to remember Maddie. Community members performed traditional songs at the vigil to remember her. Um, and since the Scott family had requested privacy since Maddie was found, the community did seek out their permission to hold this service prior to. Um, and it, so it was held at her second at her high school, Nachaco Valley Secondary School where she graduated and was organized by the local Nachaco North Stars senior double-A hockey team, which is Aww, nice. that's really sweet. Yeah. No charges have been laid in this case, and police are still asking for information about what happened to Madison to assist with their investigation. Um, if you know anything at all about Madison's disappearance and what happened to Madison, you are encouraged to call the Vanderhoof RCMP at one two five zero. Five six seven two 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 two. If you wish to re remain anonymous, you can call Crime Stoppers at one eight hundred two 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 eight four seven seven, or leave a message on their website at solvecrime.ca. Um, you can alternatively mail the Van uh, the Vanderhoof RCMP, sorry, mailbox one one nine zero Vanderhoof, British Columbia, V zero J. 3A0. Um, yeah, that's about it. Just that's that tip line, which. Crazy. Yeah, there's a few different numbers that you're able to call. So we'll just make sure that all of the information is in the show notes the numbers, the mailing address, the solve crime, this crime. There's like a million different th ways to communicate this information. So we'll make sure it's all there. But. Yeah, that is really the story uh, as as it stands right now. That is up-to-date information about this case. Um, yeah. This whole case is crazy. There's so many questions out there still, but at the same time, it's like you just need to be patient and respect police and the family and just let it unfold. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is just being patient and allowing the police to do their job and remembering that, like, we're not entitled to information just because we've been invested in this case for 12 years. Like, there is a process and we need to let it play out. Um, so let's be kind online. And, um, yeah, that's really, that's really it. But that's it. That's the well, story. I appreciate so you taking this on as such a current and relevant case because that's intimidating, I find. Yeah, it can be. I will say, like, I imagine that we're going to get updates in this case, whether it's, you know, a week from now or a year from now. I don't think that this is the last that we're hearing, and I'm really hopeful that this isn't going to remain unsolved. Um, so whatever comes out, I will, of course, let everybody know. Um, but yeah, thank you for being here with us today. Again, if you don't already, please follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you social media, uh, at Podcast by Proxy. And uh, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. If you listen on either of those platforms, it's super helpful for us if you leave a five-star rating or review. Um, it just helps us to be pushed to more people, to, you know, you may like this podcast, things of that nature. Um, 
So yeah, it's free. It takes no time and it's super helpful for us. And we really appreciate every single review that we get. We do greatly. It makes a huge difference and it is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's all for me. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Until next week. You did a great job. And yes, next week we will have another tough one. Sorry, guys. It's never a happy day on this show, is it? Sorry. Sorry. I mean, they um, came I for the true crime. I also appreciate the person who, and I'm just going to not say their name right now because it'll be funnier. Mm. Um, but they reached out and said, I've sent in two case suggestions, and if you cover them, please say my name. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes, if I you love could that. give us a case suggestion, please let us know if we can say your name or not so we know if we can shout you out. Because some people want to be shouted out, and then like you said last week, some people don't. But like some people get really excited about it. So it's like, if you want your name... In there, well, let us know. Woo! All right. See you next week. Bye. Bye. I'll call you soon. Okay. <gasps> okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck me.